Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Now, take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number uh, 26 or 27. I'm not sure. Let me find my place, please. Matthew chapter number 27. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about the cross and about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I thank God that He died on Calvary and that He paid my sin debt. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Now, we've got some folk here this morning, I'm sure in a congregation of this size, that they do not know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And so I exhort you this morning to keep your attention focused right here on the pulpit, not because of the preacher, uh, God forbid that, but because uh, that the simple truth of salvation is going to be preached here this morning. And if you do not know Christ, this may be the day for you to find Him as your own personal Savior. And so I'm saying to you, just uh, you, you keep your attention on the pulpit. Now, I don't want you to move around. I want you to sit in your place because uh, sometimes that's distracting to other people here in the congregation. And you, uh, we only have about uh, maybe 30 or 35 minutes left in the service today. And you can make it without water and without going to the bathroom for that length of time, I'm sure. So you just sit in your place this morning for the next few moments and listen to the Word of God. I enjoyed the camp meeting rally last night. And uh, we had, uh, I think, Brother Lord, didn't he say 330-something people there last night in the service? And I thank the Lord. It was a good service. We had a lot of good singing there and a lot of good preaching last night. Brother Bill preached. And I, I tell you what, that crowd over there preached to death. I thought I was going to run out of wind, thought I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke or something. I, I finally had just quit and mop my brow and rest, rest a little while. But, oh, listen, we enjoyed ourselves. And I just thank God for Brother Lacey in the camp meeting that he has scheduled there in the month of August. By the way, Brother Danny Pryor will be preaching there in the camp meeting. We've had him here in a meeting at Emmanuel, and boy, he blessed my soul. Amen. He's a tremendous preacher, and you'll not want to miss him. Now, would you stand, please? Take your Bible, Matthew 27, and let's stand for the reading of God's Word together. Now, you listen and read along silently this morning, but I, I, I appreciate the word. Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. I, uh, just thank God for this wonderful book I have on the pulpit this morning. This is the precious word of God. Now make no mistake about it. And there's one thing. Listen, you men that are in school right now, I'm talking about Steve and David. They're here this morning. Bless your heart. I don't care how intellectual the people get. I don't care how many uh, degrees they have out beside their name. If you if you ever stand to preach the Word of God, you'd better hold it up and say that I believe this is the Word of God. Amen. Don't believe it contains the Word of God. We must say, I must say, if I have any authority this morning to back up the words that I preach, then I've got to believe that this is the complete revelation of Almighty God. I've got to believe that it is His Word 
that there are no mistakes. There are no errors in this. And Scott, every time you stand to preach, you'd better do that. I mean, listen, these people in here this morning, if I told them, if I said to you today that I believe this is the closest thing that I can find to the Word of God, why, you might as well go home. Because if we don't have the Word of God, bless your heart, we ought to sell all the property that we have, and we ought to sell all of our life, uh, 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 go to the bank, get all of our life savings out, and take every bit of the money that we can find and search until we find the Word of God. Amen. But I'm persuaded that this morning I have His eternal Word here before me. Let's look at it in chapter 27 and verse number 33. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. There were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lamathabotthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now you may be seated. Our Father, we pray that you might bless today. I pray, dear God, that you might fill me with thy Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you might help me to preach with power. I pray, dear God, that you might steady me today. And I pray, dear God, that I'd not say anything amiss today. Lord, that I might rightly divide the Word of God. I am completely and wholly dependent upon you today for every blessing that comes this way. I thank you, dear God, for the crowd that we have today, for the people that sit in these pews. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts Help me in Jesus' name to preach the unsearchable riches of God's grace and His glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. 
Amen and amen. Now, the two most opposed doctrines by fallen man are the incarnation and the expiation. Now, I'm saying to you this morning, uh, the two most opposed doctrines of fallen man would be the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that God Himself became human flesh. Now, that's hard for our mind to comprehend. It is simply the truth that God Almighty Himself left heaven's glory and came here and born of a virgin and took upon Him the likeness of human flesh and was born of a virgin and went yonder to Calvary and shed His precious blood for you and for me. It's hard to comprehend this morning the fact that God would live, leave, leave all the glories of heaven and the fact that he was rich and had all the wealth of heaven and the universe at his disposal, and he would leave that and become poor for your sakes so that you might become rich. Amen. And I am rich in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Thank God for that. So the incarnation is hard to be accepted by the human mind. Secondly, I want you to know this. The expiation, the, the death, the expiring of the Lord Jesus Christ, the suffering that He underwent on Calvary is hard to comprehend with the human mind. I can't understand uh, exactly why Jesus died. I know this, and I spoke about this just a little bit last night when I spoke on the atonement, the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, the precious blood. I know that He died to save my soul. The Bible says He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I thank God for this. Jesus died to expose our sins. Amen. And Jesus died to set us free. Jesus died, my friend, uh, to destroy the works of the wicked one. He died to offset the sins of Adam. He died to uh, reveal the true nature of man, the true nature of God. He died, bless your heart, to satisfy the just demands of a righteous and holy God. But bless your heart, I think the most glorious truth is that He died to give us life and that we might have it more abundantly. Thank God that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me. Death was the supreme work of Christ. Oh, listen, when we're born into this world, by the way, Brother Hugert, uh, that little girl, have you got her back there? Is she asleep? She's asleep. We don't want to disturb her. Bless her heart. Let her sleep. But her name is Hannah. Is that right? And... Uh, She's going to get them a son later on, a grandson. But they got a daughter this go-round, and I thank God for that uh, little girl. And she came into this world to live. Amen. Uh, you came into this world to live. I came into this world to live. I enjoy life. I mean, if there's one thing you can say about Brother Bill, I enjoy life. I enjoy uh, the fact that God has saved me and called me to preach. I enjoy my church. Amen. I enjoy the church family, God's people. I enjoy shouting. I, I enjoy preaching and praying and singing. I enjoy serving God. I, this is the only thing I can think of that a man can do and enjoy it as much as I do and yet get paid for it. I, I enjoy life, every moment of it. I live it to the fullest, bless your heart. And I came into this world to live, but not so with Jesus Christ. He came into the world to die. I mean, that's why He came. It was a... Uh, 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 
uh, it, he came bringing the message of salvation and he came on a mission of mercy to reclaim your soul. We were sold in sin. We were in the marketplace of sin and in the, in the clutches of the wicked one, the devil. And Jesus came and I like the song that says, he ransomed me. Amen. He paid my price my sin debt, but Jesus came to die. It says his face was set as a flint towards Jerusalem. And I'm saying to you today, bless your heart, he came into this world to die for your sin. I want you to know the death, death penalty is involved in sin. Amen. I mean, listen, there's, uh, you can't sin and get away with it. You cannot play around with sin and expect to get out uh, unscathed and without any marks upon you. Bless your heart. The Bible says you cannot take fire into your bosom and not get burned. You can't walk on hot coals and not get burned. My friend, you can't sin and get away with it. There's a penalty to sin. Now, people enjoy sin. You enjoy sin. That's right. I mean, it, it satisfies the sensual desires of your flesh. And every man and woman and boy and girl in this room this morning, if there's one person in this world that you care about, if there's one person in this world that you love, or if there's one person in this world that you set out to satisfy the needs of that person, it's you. That's right. We're selfish individuals. And we enjoy sin. And bless your heart, don't let anybody come by and tell you there's no pleasure in sin. The Bible says there is. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But bless your heart, when you're enjoying that side of the coin, you'd better turn it over because on the other side of the coin, bless your heart, is the judgment of Almighty God. I remember when I used to go to the mission and preach when I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the Union Gospel Mission there, operated by Highland Park Baptist Church. Used to go down and preach. I remember a man coming forward one night in a service down there after I had preached. Now, uh, he didn't become because I was there. I'm not trying to say that. He came because somebody had led him to Jesus, and he was in the service, and he came forward to publicly profess his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this man at one time was a vice president with the Chase Manhattan Bank. That's right. And yet he was in a mission. He had no income. He was a drunk. He came that night and said, uh, because of sin, I've lost my position in life. I've lost my family. I've lost my wealth. I've lost my health. Oh God, I've lost everything. And he threw himself on the mercy of Jesus and was saved. And I thank God for that. But bless your heart, you drink liquor, you take dope, you run around with that crowd, you listen to rock music, and I'm telling you that sooner or later you're going to reap what you sow. Every person here this morning, all of mankind, God's book says that we're all under the sentence of death. Every one of us. Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every person in this room, we're all sinners. We're all made out of the same old red dirt. We're always prone to do that which is against God's will. We desire to, uh, to do things that are wrong and sinful and wicked and wretched and vile. God said that your heart 
was desperately wicked. He said, your heart and my heart is deceitful. Who can know it? I mean, listen, there's beating within the breast of everyone here this morning a heart that is capable of, uh, capable of committing the most heinous crimes known to mankind. We talk about Adolf Hitler. We talk about Joseph, Joseph Stalin. We talk about Mao Zedong. We talk about Colonel Gaddafi. We talk about these men who murder and plunder the world and take the wealth and pleasures of this world and appropriate it to themselves. But I'm telling you, every one of them nursed at a mother's breast one day. Every one of them cried as a little child. And bless your heart, you have within you this morning the capabilities of committing crimes just like they committed. Every one of us, we have that kind of heart. And bless your heart, the sentence of death is upon every person in this room today. I mean, if I got what I deserve, Brother Lord, the, the earth underneath me this morning would open up and I'd be swallowed up down into the pits of hell. The only reason I'll escape hell this morning, bless your heart, is because of the mercy of God. Amen. That song that Brother Lacey and Sister Susanna sang that's called Mercy rewrote my life. Amen. I'm telling you this morning that mercy, had it not been for mercy, I'd go to hell. Had it not been for grace, I'd never make it to heaven. Thank God today for Jesus and His shed blood. I'm saying to you, listen to me, the death penalty is involved in sin. Every one of us deserves to die. You know why I'm not going to die? A physical death and a uh, rather an eternal death separated from God. And by the way, listen to me. Death means separation. That's what it means. In the Bible, you'll find physical death. That's when the soul and spirit is separated from the body. That's physical death. You'll, you'll find spiritual death. That's when the soul and spirit is separated from God. You may be alive in your body. You may be walking around. You may be breathing God's uh, air today. You may be alive physically, but you may be dead spiritually. I mean, we who were dead in trespasses and sins hath he quickened and made alive. Bless your heart. One day, my heart was far from God. I was estranged from God. There was no fellowship between me and God. Iniquity had driven a wedge between me and God. I couldn't walk with Him any longer. And bless your heart, I was spiritually dead in my sin. I want you to know also there's eternal death. This is what the Bible talks about when it says the wages of sin is death. My friend, that means that you who are separated from God spiritually this morning, if you've never been to that fountain drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and you've never been plunged beneath that flood, and bless your heart, you're still in your sins, and you've never got on your face before God and cried to Him and said, Be merciful unto me and save my soul for Jesus' sake. If you're in your sins today and you died, you're going to be cut off, separated from God Almighty for eternity. I mean, as long as there's a hell, there's going to be punishment day and night, and you'll be separated from God. There's a death penalty involved with sin. Now, atonement is the heart of Christianity. Amen. I mean, listen, the blood atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ is the very heartbeat of God's Word this morning. 
Every preacher that ever preaches, you know what he ought to do? He ought to stand in his pulpit. He ought to choose a text and make a beeline to Calvary. Amen. I mean, listen, you ought to get around to preaching about the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk to you for the next few moments. And if you'll give me about maybe 10 or 15 minutes more of your time. I have long introductions. Amen. I hadn't changed a bit, Brother Lewis. I have long introductions. I mean, we set the groundwork for the message around here on Sunday morning. But I'll have a brief message. It won't take long for me to finish up my message. Don't worry. We're not going to miss dinner today. If there's anybody here that enjoys eating more than Brother Bill, hold your hand up. I'd like to see you. I'd like you. All right, Brother Ed's back here. Uh, we, we like to eat. I enjoy eating. And we're, not, we're going to get out in time to get to dinner today. I don't know what we're going to have, Miss Burr, but we're going to get out anyway. Maybe a can of potted meat or something. I don't know. We'll have something good. Now, notice this about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, his death was foretold by God. I'm telling you, listen, time and time again, many times in the Old Testament, God said, I'm going to send my son. He will be the redeemer of mankind. Isaiah 53 and verse 8 says, He was cut off out of the land of the living. Daniel 9, 26 says, After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Now that word cut off means to die. That means his physical life is going to come to an end. Zechariah 13, 7 says, Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. I'm saying to you that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ was foretold by God. His death was appointed by God. I mean predetermined by God. The Bible says the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says that yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Acts 2.23 says him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. I'm telling you this morning, listen, Revelation says that before the foundations of the world he was slain, before God ever placed the sun in space, before God ever let the night skies twinkle with the stars, before God ever made man, before God ever breathed into him the breaths of life, and he became a living soul, before it all, in the mind of God, I'm saying to you today that Jesus went to Calvary and was, and was slain and shed his precious blood. In, the, in time gone by, before time ever began, Jesus Christ was slain. Now, there's a lot of things involved in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The atonement is involved in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Lloyd, I've been trying to stay away from that message as much as I could this morning because I know that some of this you heard last night in the service over there. But uh, I, I don't have to worry too much because most of this crowd wasn't there last night. But I, I, I want you to know this. The atonement is involved in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an Old Testament word. It's mentioned 77 times in the Word of God and 76 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament and only one time is it mentioned in the New Testament. Would you turn to Romans chapter number 5, please? Romans 5 and verse number 11. Romans 5 and verse number 11 and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ 
by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, the word atonement, listen, perk up. Don't go to sleep on me. I mean, listen, friend, it's hot up here where I am. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm hot. And um, I, I got to wear this suit. Not going to have time to get it clean when I go to a meeting this week. So you pray for the people. Amen. But I, I'm telling you, it's hot on this platform. And I'm working this morning. And I don't want you to go to sleep. I want you to hear what I have to say uh, to you about the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word atonement means a covering. That's what it means. It means a covering. Listen, way back yonder in bygone days... I, when Abraham come and when Isaac come and when David came and when uh, uh, Daniel came to be saved, their sins were covered. But bless your heart, it goes deeper than that. I'm talking to you this morning about the blood redemption of our Savior and I can say to you assuredly today from the Word of God that it involves more than just a covering. It involves a cleansing. Amen. It involves a forgiveness of sins. It involves a putting away of our sins, a blotting out our sins. It involves a separation between uh, the sinner and his sin. Thank God. There's no way I can get rid of my sin unless Jesus comes and helps me. No way. No way. I mean, you don't have the ability this morning to lay your sin down and come to Jesus. Sometimes preachers preach, and I've been guilty of this. They say, now I want you to turn from your sin. Turn from your sin and come to Jesus. You're asking sinners to do something that you can't even do from yourself. There's not a person here today that is able to turn from your sin and forsake your sin. The only answer for the sin question is to bring it to Jesus. Amen. I mean, the wise philosopher of this age has no answer for the sin problem. The modernist, the infidel, the skeptic has no answer for the sin problem. I'm telling you this morning, friend, that religion has no answer for the sin problem. The only answer for the sin problem, God has it, and it is in the shed blood and the cleansing blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you, the atonement is involved in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Brother Bill. That's good preaching. I'm enjoying this this morning. Blessing my soul. I want you to know something else. Propitiation. Now, that's a big word. That's a Bible word, but that's a big word. I mean, listen, I, you may not know what that word means this morning. I mean, I wouldn't fall out with anybody that didn't know what that word means. I mean, that's as bad as Constantinople or something. I, that's a big word. Now, I want you please, if you will, to look in 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. Isn't this good? I mean, listen, you're getting your money's worth today. Amen. That dollar's going to pay off today, Brother Jerry. Amen. I mean, listen, chapter number 2 and verse number 2. Listen to it. And he is the propitiation for our sins. Listen to this. He's a propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Thank God for God's Lamb today. I said last night, and I've said it here, and I'll say it again this morning, 
There's a great progression of truth concerning the Lamb in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter number 12, you'll find out that there was a lamb slain, uh, or rather for Abel, there was a lamb slain for an individual. In chapter 12, the Passover lamb, it was a lamb slain for a family. In Leviticus, on the Day of Atonement, there was a lamb that was slain for a nation. But bless your heart, when we come down to God's lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, there you have a lamb that John says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He was slain for the sins of the entire world. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. The word propitiation means to appease. It means to win the goodwill. It means this. Listen, Jesus died to satisfy your need at Calvary. Amen. Now, you'd better never forget that, friend. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for the sinner. And I want you to know something else. I believe the main reason that Jesus died on the cross. Now, listen, all of these things, the fact that you're saved, the fact that God loves you, the fact that you have abundant life, the fact that you have salvation, the fact that you're going to spend eternity with God, the fact of all these things, these are the, the results of Calvary. I believe in my heart this morning that the reason Jesus Christ actually died at Calvary was to satisfy the just and holy and righteous demands of God. You see, God's anger... Had to be appeased. I deserve to be on Calvary. You deserve to be on Calvary. You deserve to be the one to feel the righteous judgment of God fall upon you. You're the one that should have hung there that day and cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You should have been the one there that had your back broken open by the cat of nine tails as you were scourged. You should have been the one there that was buffeted with the, the fist of, of, of great men. You should have been the one who had the hair pulled out of your face. You should have been the one that was stripped of your clothing. And you should have been the one to hang naked on the cross for all the world to see. You should have been the one who had the nails prints in your hand. You should have been the one who had the spear driven into your side. You should have been the one who was cut off from God. But bless your heart, by the mercy of God, He took my place on Calvary. Thank God for it. He redeemed me. Amen. He ransomed me. He reconciled me unto Himself. I thank God for all of those things that Jesus did for me. First Peter chapter number 1. And look at verse number 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed. Amen. Look up here, friend. Anybody ever pawn anything? Come on, admit it, man. I pawned some stuff in my life. I have. I, I pawned a, my mother gave me a watch one time when I was in the Navy and I run out of money. Bless your heart. I went down, took a Bulliver jeweled watch and pawned it 
for $5, Brother Jerry. Walked in. I mean, a nice watch. I, way back then, I think she paid about $59 for it. Way back then, I took it in and pawned it for $5. I took a GE clock radio she sent me one time when I was in the Navy, and I, I took it down, and I pawned it. I mean, anything I could get my hands on, get a little bit of money, I'd pawned it. I'd sell it. Now, the only way you can get that back is to take that ticket and go down and redeem it. Pay the price. And you go down and redeem it. Now listen to me, friend. I was sold under sin. I was in the clutches of the devil. I mean, the wicked one had his hands upon me and upon my soul. I'm saying to you this morning that I was of my father, the devil. And his bidding I did all the time. And so did you. We were all sold under sin. We had to be redeemed. Bless your heart, gold and silver wouldn't do it. Money wouldn't do it. I mean, the wealth of this world wouldn't do it. You could take all the, the oil in Iraq and Iran and all the gold under the snow-capped mountains of Alaska and you could take all the wealth that this world has in the diamond mines of South Africa and bless your heart, you could not buy, you could not ransom, you could not reconcile one soul to God Almighty. Took more than that. You ought to underline this verse in your Bible. You ought to read it every day of your life, friend. Listen. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but thank God for the buts that are in the Bible. Amen. Here's a big one right here. But with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Thank God for the precious, precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. My mother loves me. I love my mother. I really do. Call my mother two and three times a week. I talk to her every week. I talked to her last night. Visited with her for just a little while. You know what my mother always says to me when she hangs up the telephone? Right before she hangs it up. The last word she ever says to me is, I love you, baby. Can you imagine that? 300 and something pounds. I'm not going to tell you how many. And I'm her baby. That's right. I'm her 50-year-old baby. She loves me. There's not a thing that my mother wouldn't do for me. I think she did too many things for me when I was coming up. When I went to the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina, my mother cleaned up beds behind tourists that came in for a meager salary. She swept yards. She cut wood. She did everything that she possibly could to scrape together money to send me to the University of South Carolina. And I squandered it all. I'm so ashamed of that. I've brought shame and reproach upon the name of my mother and upon my father. I saw my mother weep one night in my kitchen. I can still see it in her kitchen. I can still see her weeping and crying. I can still see her with a voice trembling 
And she looked at me and said, Why, son? Why did you do it? My mother loves me. There's not a thing she wouldn't do for me. She asked me last night, she said, Son, when are you coming back to Chirol again and preach the gospel down here in Chirol, South Carolina? When are you coming back again? She said, Son, send me that new tape you've got. I love to listen to you sing. And I, I put it on, I walk around the house, and while I'm doing my house cleaning, I listen to my son sing. My mother loves me. My mother did all she could to help me when I was coming up. My mother taught me it was wrong to lie, to cheat, to steal. My mother taught me it was wrong to drink liquor. My mother taught me that it was wrong to commit adultery. My mother taught me that I ought to live a life that would be pleasing to God. She taught me all those things. My mother wants me to go to heaven. If you told my mother this morning, if you went to her and you said to Mrs. Burr, Billy's lost and Billy's dying and he's going to go to hell. She'd do anything in her power to save me from hell. But I want you to know something. My mother can't save me. My daddy can't save me. I want you to know I love my children. I'd do anything for my children. I love old Bill over here with all my heart. I really do. This will embarrass him. I know it will. I know it will embarrass him. But I go in there sometimes after he's gone to bed and he always listens. He says, I'm going. But I go in there sometimes after he's in the bed and I pick at him. And I say, boy, you're my baby. I love you so much. I reached down last night. He was already asleep. Just about asleep. I reached down and kissed him on the back of his head. I said, son, I love you so much. If you came to me this morning... And you told me that Billy's dying and he's lost and he's on the road to hell. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that I can do to save him. But I love him. I want you to know this. Jesus loves him more than I do. Jesus loves me more than my mother loves me this morning. Jesus loves you. God loves you. The Holy Ghost loves you this morning, my friend. I'm saying to you this morning that God Almighty sent His Son to Calvary to die for you. He ransomed you. He reconciled you to God. Your salvation was made at Calvary. You've been paid for completely. And all you have to do this morning to receive it is to come and say, God, be merciful to me and save my soul.